Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Go ahead and give somebody a big air hug, a big air high five. Tell them you love them. Hallelujah. Honey, I'm going to need that Bible and stuff. I, I need that. That's, that's going to be important here in the next half hour or so. You want to turn that off there, Duke? Yes, sir. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you got your Bible here, you go ahead and turn up to the book of Matthew. Uh, but before that, we're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to kind of do things in a little different order. I'm going to take off this mask because I don't actually preach in it. There we go. Forget you have it on sometimes, right? Right? Is it just become part of life for you? Or... You guys remember what it was like to just talk to people? You find yourselves like watching TV or something and you watch people just like walk up to other people and you're like, oh, he didn't have a mask. Oh, wait a minute. This was before the coronavirus. Is it just me or have you done that? It's funny. You catch yourself. We're going um, to start our service today a little different than normal. We're going to start it with um, our prayer from Francis. Is that all right? Excellent. We're going to do it. Yeah, either way we're going to do it, but uh, I just want... <laughs> I want it to be all right with you, because I'm desperate for acceptance and love, right? It, and so at risk of um, feeling uh, Catholic, we're going to go ahead and stand and pray. Is that all right? <laughs> you guys ready? And we've been saying this every week. We're going to say it through the end of this uh, message series, but I just think this is a good start with. Ready? Let's say it. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me bring love. Where there is offense, let me bring pardon. Where there is discord, let me bring union. Where there is error, let me bring truth. Where there is doubt, let me bring faith. Where there is despair, let me bring hope. Where there is darkness, let me bring your light. Where there is sadness, let me bring joy. O Master, let me not seek as much to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that one receives. It is in self-forgetting that one finds. It is in pardoning that one is pardoned. And it is dying that one is raised to eternal life. Amen, amen, amen. You did good. Go ahead and have a seat. I have found in times of chaos, um, it's good to kind of reflect on what the early church reflected on. What sustained them, Bible reading, fellowship, and uh, I've enjoyed praying this prayer that Francis wrote. Hope you have as well. I'm hoping it does something in my heart. We're still in our message series, of course, Do Justice. And it's been our goal in this series to behave according to God's will. Amen. It's not enough to just think the right stuff. We have to actually do the stuff he told us to do. To be a Christian is to be a follower of Jesus. And if you're following us online in this season, no condemnation for those who uh, feel safer at home. Uh, We want to make this just as safe as possible. We are well distanced in here. Uh, Last service, we had children in here. This one, we just have us children in here, the children of God. 
Uh, and so I just want to say welcome to everybody who's joining us online who chose to tune in. I see so many of you commenting. Go ahead and comment. Give us a what's up. Our online reader will say hi to you. Take a picture of wherever you're at and uh, tag us on social media, if you will. And here at Revival Life Church, we really want to be followers of Jesus, not just in name, but in truth, right? Not just what they call us, not just what we call ourselves. We want to find our lifestyle in the Bible. I want, I, want, I want to read scripture, it examined me, and make sure I'm living according to the teachings of Jesus. <clears throat> and, and um, you know, like I said, being a Christian is a Christ follower. We're actually people who want to find ourselves in Jesus. And this can't just be some religious thing. It can't just be a name that we put on ourselves. Because there isn't life in a name. There's life in partnering with the Spirit to do the works of God. When, 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 when we perform, all we get is the adulation of people. If we think we impress somebody, that's all we ever get. But if we actually partner with Holy Spirit, and we know in our heart that we're followers, then we get to partner with Holy Spirit, we get to see our lives changed and the world around us changed. This is what we want. I don't want to act like a Christian. I, I want to be a Christian. I don't want to worry about whether or not people think I'm a Christian. I want to make sure Jesus thinks I'm a Christian. That's really important to me. That's really important to me. Um, the story of Jesus in the New Testament, the story of Jesus is a story of love. It is love through and through. In a really easy way to see if we're followers of Jesus is just asking the question, does this look like love? We don't need to redefine love as Christians to see if we're following Jesus. We know what love is innately. We, 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 we can tell if we're being loving or we're not. And you can redefine words in religion that you can make them mean things they don't actually mean. If you've ever been exposed to a cult, they use the same words we use. They just mean something very different. Submission to authority in a cult doesn't mean submission. It means lording over. You allow your freedom to be taken away. It's not at all what Jesus is talking about. When you, when you talk about serving with love, when you're in cultic Christianity, all of a sudden love means I'm mean to you, but it's for your good. And friend, that's not love. That's being mean. And you think you're doing good. We can call that deception, I think. That's utter deception to think that we're mean to somebody and it's good. It's just not in there. And, and that's why these cultic religions cut off family, cut off friends, and they're like, well, I got to love you, and so I got to deny you love. Wrap your brain around that for a second. <laughs> the way I'm going to show you love is by not showing you love. It doesn't even make sense, right? And so we can really test, am I following Jesus? Am I showing love? And this is what Jesus did. And the people that Jesus was not happy with were the people who redefined what it means to be loving to people. It was religious people that thought, God actually wants me to mean being to you. God wants me to keep you away from him. God wants me to be his gatekeeper. And this is not the story of Jesus. Jesus opened his table. He opened his life. He opened his home. He opened his heart, most importantly, to people that the religious people thought didn't deserve to be that close. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to tell a story about 
the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and I'm going to tell a story about the end of Jesus' ministry. And in the middle, Corey is going to share some revelation that he got in last week's message. Then we're going to receive the Lord's table, and then we're all going to go home. All right? That, that's what's going to happen, and I'm going to accomplish that in 22 minutes. So stick with me. All right? Amen. Thank you for the applause back there. You know that it is a time of miracles. Our goal in this season is to keep the service short, just so people can get in and out, right? We're, we're not jamming them together. Like, we could have done this a half hour earlier, but we want to give people, we just want to be safe in the season, right? Like, we can be a little inconvenienced to be safe, right? I like a long service, but let's just be safe. I think I can, I can, I can live with that. So, Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. Let me give you a little background. <clears throat> um, John the Baptist uh, was the cousin of Jesus, and he came as a prophet. He came as the last Old Covenant prophet. He was under the Old Covenant. He's in our New Testament, but he actually was still under the Old Covenant. And as an Old Covenant prophet, he preached like an Old Covenant prophet. He said, gee, the Messiah is coming. This, this Joshua figure, and he is going to come with God's recompense, and he's going to come with fire, and he's going to come with this tilling fork, and he's going to turn over the heap, and the fire is going to test it all, and he's going to separate the wheat and the chaff, and the chaff is going to be consumed with fire, and you all need to repent because the terrible day of the Lord is coming. This is what John the Baptist was preaching. Sounded like Jeremiah, sounded like all the Old Testament prophets. And then Jesus shows up, and how many of you know when Jesus shows up, he never shows up the way you think he's going to show up? He never shows up the way you think he's going to show up. And so, so John the Baptist is preaching about this God of fire who's going to come and punish the bad people. And then we find him here in Matthew chapter 3, starting in verse 13. Then Jesus arrived. Again, he never comes the way we think he's coming. That Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan coming to John, that's John the Baptist, to be baptized by him. Now, John is telling everybody, you need to get baptized because when the Messiah comes, you're going to be destroyed if you, if you haven't fully repented. And then Jesus answers that altar call. Verse 14, but John tried to prevent him, saying, uh-uh, I have need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? In verse 15, but Jesus answered him, saying, Permit it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then John went ahead and obeyed Jesus, which is a good idea, yeah. right? And so he permitted him, and after being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, that means look, look at here, like this, look, I'm about to tell you something important, right? Look, right? It says, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God, John did, descending as a dove and lighting on him. So the Spirit of God came and illuminated Jesus. And behold, a voice came from heaven and said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Can you say amen to the reading of the Word? Yeah, yeah. Now, here's what I have discovered in our Christianity in, um, in this day and age. Not all over the world, but much of what I see. We have a theology that doesn't necessarily put Jesus at the center. What we desperately need is a christ centered 
spirituality. We have a great spirituality in America that will teach you how to attain the American dream, how to get wealthy, how to get out of your sickness. Holy Spirit has come. Jesus sent the Spirit so that I can obtain what I want to obtain. It's not He has come so that I can fulfill the purpose of Jesus. It's He came so that I can get what I wanted. Really, friend, we come to Jesus so we can fulfill the reason we were created. We needed Jesus to be at the center of our spirituality. We want to be powerful. We want to have our desires filled. We want to have Jesus come and empower us to do, go ahead, to do the things that we want. But there's a good chance in your life Jesus is not coming the way you expected. I, I like this picture of the baptism. I'm pretty sure it didn't look like this. If I had to guess, when the Holy Spirit landed upon him, I don't know. But I really like colorful artwork, and I like this picture, and so I decided for him to put it up. So Jesus goes to John and gets baptized. Now, there's something really important um, that we need to remember in the midst of this. If you look at this, Jesus, unlike some cults, Jesus actually came in the flesh. And we found that any false spirit will not confess that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. Jesus came as a human. He didn't come as a super spiritual being. He was born of a woman. And the Bible says that he grew in wisdom and revelation. Jesus had to grow in understanding among us. Jesus fully identified with our humanity. He wasn't some superhuman that didn't have to... Yeah, come on, that's good. He came as a person. He went through puberty. Right? He learned things. The Bible says he grew in wisdom in Revelation. He, he grew in favor. He, he fully came into the human experience. And, and we don't fully appreciate that. He was fully God and yet fully man. And he allowed himself to be baptized as a human, growing in understanding, growing in revelation. He had no problem associating himself with us. And while John the Baptist tried to stop him from recognizing his humanity, Jesus said him recognizing it fulfilled righteousness. I want you to hear this. Jesus had to do something to fulfill righteousness. It wasn't just inherent in his creation. I, don't get mad at me. I'm reading the Bible. Often, I was talking to Duke about this, often uh, I just see stuff in the Word and I read it and people think, oh, wait, 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 wait. Are you saying, I'm, I'm just reading the Bible. Yeah. And the Bible literally says here that Jesus said he had to do it to fulfill righteousness. All right? So that is the story I'm going to tell you at the beginning of his ministry. Corey Pagato is going to come up and share something I said last week. Uh, like, And I don't mind people reiterating uh, what God has spoken to them. I actually enjoy it. So Corey's going to... That's the blue one. Oh, no, that's a good one. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Corey. I'm sorry. Hallelujah. Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Thank you, Pastor, for uh, inviting me up. 
Um, last week, uh, as we were uh, sitting here and pastor was speaking, God just dropped this verse in my heart and I shared it with pastor and he's like, Hey, can you share that next week? I said, sure. I'd love to. So here we are. Uh, if you just uh, crack open your Bible, we're going to jump right into the word, uh, Luke chapter nine. Uh, and we're starting in verse. Okay. I guess we're going to start there. This service, uh, 57, <laughs> as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have a nest, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Verse 59. And he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. But he said to him, allow the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. Another also said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, permit me to say goodbye to those at home. And Jesus replied, no one after putting his hand at the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Can you say amen to the word? Amen. So how many of you know, how many of you know that you do not have to have everything in your life perfectly in order to start serving God? Like you don't have to have everything worked out to start fulfilling the assignment of God on your life. In fact, it's the opposite. When you start doing what God told you to do, he'll work out what needs to be put in order. But we first have to start serving him. Amen. And here in this scripture, I don't know any of you who do street evangelism, you've probably heard this when you're, when you're, when you're encouraging people in their call and, and, and preaching the gospel, I'm not ready to follow Jesus, right? I'm not ready to give him my life. I'm, I've got to figure this thing out or this thing. I'm not done doing this. I'm having fun doing this. I know God's going to tell me to stop doing that. Right. Or he's going to say something I don't want to hear. See, we, we deal with the same thing in the church. We, we, we want to follow God, but only when it's convenient sometimes, right? And here, here in the scripture, let me give you a little bit of a backstory. The disciples are arguing just before this about who is the greatest. And that's when Jesus says to them, whoever the least is in the kingdom is the greatest. And see, he's completely, like we're talking about today, changing their culture and teaching them what greatness looks like, what serving looks like. And how many of you know that serving actually starts right here in the church? right? Like serving has to start here. And in 2020, especially uh, in in the season that we are in, man, we have every catastrophe, every atrocity happening in the world right in the palm of our hand. And it's so easy to be pulled in a hundred different directions. But when Jesus calls us to serve, he calls us to start with the person in front of us. And we actually are equipped to change the world by serving right here in the church body. Amen. Amen. So there, there's just a, a couple things I, 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 I want to, um, that God spoke to me about this verse. Number one, I already said it, is you don't have to have every, everything in order to start serving God. The second one is the need you notice is the need you're called to fill. Amen. Look, yeah, we're, we're getting back into the swing of things here, right, on Sunday morning. And, and there are ministries right here where you're receiving from, where you're being fed today that need you. That needs you. And, and as you come to church, and as we get back in the swing of things, you're going to see needs that need to be filled. The reason you're seeing them is because God wants to give you grace to fill them. Amen. That's how Holy Spirit works. Yeah. Amen. And the last thing I want to leave with you, and this is really the most important, is you can't pause God's assignment. And if you're taking notes at all today, just go ahead and write that down. You can't pause yeah. God's 
assignment. Yeah. Jesus said, he who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is unfit for the kingdom. <laughs> you know, it's, um, this is just me talking now. I don't believe that sin is the greatest obstacle to following Jesus. I don't even believe that it's major life events happening. It's something crazy happening in your life. Maybe, you know, you can fill in the blank, right? Life changes. Uh, and sometimes it gets hard, right? Uh, but I believe just learning how to do life without him is the greatest enemy of our walk with God. Yeah. Just figuring it out how to yeah. do it alone. Just figuring out how not to need God. Because wow. the enemy likes to be sneaky. Yep. Yeah. And in this season, man, it's, it, <laughs> you had to figure out how to do life without church. But guys, it's a trap of the enemy to stay there. Yeah. Yeah. Right? It's the trap of the enemy to stay there. So we cannot pause God's assignment. So listen, as we're getting back in the swing of thing, man, God's going to show you stuff. He's going to give you grace to fill the need. Amen. And we're going to serve one another and serve our city in the process. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Pastor. Amen. Amen. Well, that stinks. Check one. This is working, right? That's weird. Brandon just put in new batteries. That is strange. Anyways, hey, online, we're real people. I know it looks like we have a professional team and that we get, get nothing wrong, you know, but every now and then. Thanks, Corey. So, hey, listen, um, let me play with this here. All right, here we go. Okay, so I told a story, Corey shared, and if you want to know anything about Revival Life Church, if you're checking us out, this is our first service back online, and I didn't want to do the service alone. I brought part of our leadership up in the, on the stage with me. This is kind of who we are. We're, we're, we're a community, and we're about serving one another, right? Second story, and I'm going to tie them all together. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. Okay. I'm, I'm hopefully going to finish in time. John chapter 13. So we talked about the beginning of Jesus' ministry, where John baptized him. We talked about how Jesus, because John Jesus came to serve. Then, then we see how Jesus has called other people to serve. Now we're on John Chapter 13, starting in verse 3. It says in verse 3, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come forth from God, was going back to God. Here we go. All right, we're back. Thank you, tech team. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come forth from God, was going back back to God. Now, this is Jesus at the Last Supper, right? He's about to be murdered, and he's talking to his disciples, and he's handing off the kingdom to them, right? He's going to send the Spirit that's going to empower them, and this is kind of one of his last talks to them. So he got up from supper and laid aside his garments, and taking a towel, he girded himself. Then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel with which he, had, he was girded. So he came to Simon Peter and he said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Now we had John the Baptist telling Jesus, wait, 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 are you making yourself lower than me? No way. 
No way. You're, you're, you're the one I just said is going to send fire and destroy everyone, right? And now we have at the end of his ministry, Peter saying, saying to him, wait, wait, wait. You're going you're gonna to serve me? You're making yourself lower than me? No, 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 no. You're getting it wrong, right? And so Peter, of course, being Peter, Jesus says to him, if, if I don't wash you now, uh, I, you do not realize now, but you will understand hereafter. Um, and, he said, and Peter said to him, never shall you wash my feet. And Jesus said, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. And Peter said, hey, don't just wash my feet, then wash everything. You know, that, that's Peter. Like, all right, just wash everything. You know, I, I, I'm totally in. And Jesus is like, you, you still don't get it, but that's okay. I, Jesus, what they kept missing was, put a picture, Jesus came to serve. Now, I want you to notice in this picture here. Now, this is not an actual picture of the Last Supper, right? This is, this is a painting, Okay, I don't want you to be confused in that. I don't want you to think I'm falsely representing. But that's a joke. You don't have to laugh online. Or they're probably laughing online. Nobody's laughing in person, but they will. All right, this is an actual picture. It's a painting. And what I want to show you about this is often when you look at these paintings of Jesus washing the feet of Peter, almost always Peter looks elderly. He has a gray beard, and, you might, and Jesus looks younger than him. And you could think to yourself, well... He is God, but it's an elderly person. It's respectful to wash his feet. Somehow, we want Jesus to look good no matter what happens in this picture. But the truth is, we know that Jesus came into his ministry at 30. That's when a rabbi is made a full rabbi, and he begins to take on his own disciples. The disciples that would come on are in their early teens. So, this rabbi began collecting his disciples at 30, and they were most likely 13-ish. By this point, Peter is 16, right? Peter's a young man at this age, right? And so as Peter is being taught by Jesus as he's going to take over with the rabbi, uh, here's Jesus, who's in his 30s, serving a young Peter. Somehow we have to sanitize that. Because it's hard for us to get that Jesus really does want us to serve people who are beneath us in our mind. And anybody that we think is beneath us is actually that thought process is defiling us. And so this serving people, this serving of people is literally what Jesus came to do. I mean, he died on the cross for our sins. Jesus came to serve, and to be Christ followers means that we understand that we're called to a lifestyle of service. Jesus identified with his humanity, got water baptized that he could grow in righteousness, got on his knees to serve Peter, and because Peter allowed it, Jesus said that he was cleansed. Here's what I want you to get from this. Jesus actually wants us so that we can lord over someone else. He actually created the church so we could learn how to serve people and become an instrument of his serving grace. When you decide to get involved with what Jesus does in serving people who you feel are beneath you, Holy Spirit comes and empowers you to do things that you could never do on your 
own. You learn how to love people. The Spirit comes upon you and you get to love people, not just in your heart, not just in your mind, but you get to physically demonstrate the love of God to people around you. And that love can look like healing. It can look like deliverance. It can look like them being um, supernaturally brought back from the dead. It can also be them feeling comfortable. It could also make them feeling like they actually matter, that their humanity is important. Just like Jesus said his humanity is important. Their life matters. And we get to put the, get the grace of God that's upon us and the favor of God that's upon us and the anointing of God that is upon so many in the house of God. And we get to bring all that power to somebody and say, listen, I am serving you in the midst of this anointing. And as we humble ourselves and they receive of the grace of God, then that same That grace is the Spirit of God. It is the active Spirit of God. As we serve them, this grace comes into their life, and then Holy Spirit comes and convicts them of righteousness, sin, and judgment, and they become part of the kingdom. This is how it's supposed to work. Can you say amen? Amen. This is how it's supposed to work. And so often we decide that we want to be the Lord, and we want to be Holy Spirit, and we want... Holy Spirit to be the stuff that we're supposed to be, humble and serving. Oh, Jesus. Okay, wait a minute. I have, a, I have about a minute and a half left, so I get to do a rant. We have spent, the church has spent far too long telling women how to be naturally clothed instead of telling men how to be spiritually clothed with humility, right? With, with serving. It's just... Like we have, we, have, we have missed the greater things. We have absolutely missed the greater things. I think, I'm thankful that I do life with church people, that, that that's not what we're consumed with, that we actually want to love people. But in this house, I, you know, we have been on a journey of going from what justice looks like mentally and globally to what does it look like in my life? What does it mean to do justice in my life? And that might mean... When someone comes to you dressed like a hussy, you don't say you look like a hussy, right? And just saying, you're not, I know you want to evoke that judgment from me, but it's just not coming from me. It's just not, you're just not going to get that here. You're only going to get love here. And at some point you'll recognize you look ridiculous and you don't, like, you don't need that. You're too beautiful to require that. The greatest testimonies I get, that's not true, I can't really rank them. But I love, I love when, um, when women come into the knowledge that Paul was trying to teach Timothy, like, you are beautiful. You don't have to be beautiful. You actually are beautiful. And, and when men come to the revelation that I don't have to lord over someone else to be powerful. My faith in Christ makes me powerful. I don't need people to submit to me for me to feel powerful. That actually is the opposite of what I'm trying to accomplish. I love it when men recognize, man, I feel powerful when I make other people around me feel powerful. That's, that's real manhood. That's, that's real manhood. And that, I'm like, man, we're getting the kingdom here. We're, get, we're not in competition. We're getting the kingdom. This is who we want to be as believers. This is who we want to be as a church. And I'm going to be very honest right now. We need people uh, to demonstrate that in our house right now. We have two services, 9 and 11. 
Uh, we need some people to attend one and serve one. We, we need people to get involved. Now, I have a deep conviction that the grace of God is greatest upon the people who work in the parking lot in children's ministry because they've given the most on a Sunday morning. I've always believed that. Uh, I also believe that we act as gatekeepers of who can serve with the children. Uh, you know, I, I, I grew up in church where hearing from people that, you know, we need some, you know, we just gonna, you can figure out how to preach to the kids. Whoever will just give up their time to be with the kids. Like, they need people who have their theology worked out more than we do. Right? Like, they're the ones who need people. Like, they're actually believing you. The people in here are like, well, I'm not sure. Let me look that up myself. The kids actually believe you. We need, we need people with solid lives back there. And so if you're super spiritual, let us know. Right? If you really have a heart of Jesus, let us know, because that, that's, that's, that's where it'll be seen. Um, and so it was funny when Corey was talking about uh, what we're supposed to do if we see a need, because Corey, I, I thought we were just supposed to call and complain. I, that, that's, that's what the history would teach you. If you see a problem, just call everybody you can and complain about it. Don't actually be part of the solution. Um, I'm sorry. Heal my heart, Jesus. I release that and I forgive. Bad out, good in. Hallelujah. Does this make sense? So in Jesus' life, they did not get what he came to accomplish at the beginning, and they were still confused at the end. But here we are with the benefit of hindsight and the illumination of Holy Spirit. He came to demonstrate serving, and we need to do the same. Last thing before we receive the Lord's table. Christ in us, when he comes upon us, Christ in us can heal our lives. But Christ through us can heal our land. And this is what our country needs. Not more people wagging their finger, people who will take up their loincloth, wash some feet and serve. Amen? Amen. Stand with me. Yes, amen. Stand with me. We're going to receive the Lord's table together. If you didn't receive yours on the way in, am I freezing anybody out with the air conditioning? Good. It's all nice and quiet. Now, nobody responded negatively. That's why I said good. I'm not trying to freeze anybody out. If you're online, I hope you have your communion supplies with you. This is the last one we're going to do weekly because we're going to do, we said we're going to do this every week until we gather back together. And here we are <laughs> gathering together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so good. Listen, we have room for those of you visiting, uh, visiting us online who are guests online. Um, we're going to go back to receiving the Lord's table uh, the first Sunday of every month. And uh, I'm going to give this disclaimer that my wife told me not to give. This is terrible, right? This, this, this is awful, all right? But, but we're doing it in obedience to the Lord. And you're just going to appreciate the wonderful bread we normally use or, or crackers or whatever it is we use. Are you with me? Man, I love you all so much. I love this church. Thanks, thanks, thanks. I, I, I love every person who has served. Well, I love you all. I'm thankful for every person. I'm qualifying my love now, right? I love you when you act good. Sitting on a therapist's couch for the next nine years trying to figure out what's going on in your heart. I'm so thankful for everybody who put their hand to the plow in this season. 25 weeks online, which sounds crazy. And hear me, if this wicked virus that we just pray will be cursed to hell. This thing comes back, we're going to go back online because you, people are more important than any institution. 
We can't say the church is about people and we care about people and we're going to risk your life to come into our meeting. Like that's, I just, I have a hard time reconciling those two things. Are, are you okay with that? Yeah, we're just going to keep caring about people. And Father, we do love you. And even though this wafer we're about to receive will be terrible and disgusting. And nothing like a, the challah that you really want us to be eating right now. But we do this for the very first time in my life symbolically. I'm going to have to eat another one of these. Okay, my wife's telling me stop. Wow, we, we thank you, Lord. We, Jesus, that you, you, I just cannot fathom a God who would put on flesh in all its limitations that you would choose to live here among us in flesh. And then you would allow your creation to break that flesh. It is beyond understanding and we could never repay you, but we trust that your anointing will come and help us to emulate you the best we can. Wow, 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 wow. On the night he was betrayed, the same night he washed those feet of Peter, the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and he said, this is my body. Man, you tried to teach us, Jesus. He said, it's broken for us in that amazing act of service. And this is how you told us to remember you and how you served us. And we reflect on it now and it makes us humble. And we search our own hearts and we hope and pray that we can be humble like you. Receive the body of the Lord. Mm. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. Mike Rentley, you're right. It's better if you don't chew it. That's thanks. I appreciate that. That's a word of wisdom there. That I hope I never have to use. Lord, and on the same night. You took the cup. And let me just tell you, this is not much better. So Lord, you can transfigure. You can do something here supernatural. You've done it in other, you've done it in other revivals. Whoa, and you can do it right. Wow. Hallelujah. And Lord, as we receive this cup, we, 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 we lift our prayer requests before you. And we know that you are a God who serves. And it is your desire to heal us, to heal our relationships, to empower us, to sustain us. And so we lift these up before you. And we just thank you. On the night that you were betrayed, you also took the cup. Ah, which is the cup of the new covenant. You said, as often as you do this, drink it in remembrance of me. So we do remember you, Jesus. Receive this cup of the new covenant. Lord Jesus, we just pray for every person in here with a prayer need right now. We lift up this prayer need before you, Lord. We lift up Revival Life Church in Boca Raton. We lift up our country. We lift up every person who's under threat of coronavirus. And we just we pray that you would pour out your blessing. Every person online who's dealing with sickness or has been exposed, we declare healing upon your body, protection upon your body. We thank you for your church, Lord. We thank you 
for this gathering you gave us yesterday and for those who planned it, Father. We thank you for all those who put their hand to the plow and are serving your body and your people. In Jesus' name, until we meet again. And everybody said, amen and amen. Give a clap off from the Lord if you would. Hallelujah. I went a little over, but we do love you. We love you. We love you. And I just hope you have an amazing, amazing week. Go ahead and text RLC Serve. If uh, 97,000, uh, text RLC Serve to 97,000. If you could turn on the lights for me, please. Uh, and if you have a prayer request and you'd like someone to pray with you one on one, go ahead and uh, text uh, RLC Help to 97,000. And uh, in all honesty, if you just hang around long enough, someone will pray for you. That's really the truth of it. But we love you all. Have an amazing week. God bless. Go in peace. <laughs>